I think we should be spending most of today talking about Don't Look Up. We've all seen it. Um, what are your opinions? I enjoyed it. It was funny and scary and sad. Yeah, that seems all right. All three? Yeah. Yeah, it's similar for me. It's just like, I, I was like really laughing and really enjoying it. And then I went up to bed and I was lying there thinking. And I was just like, <laughs> yeah. this is too real. It's just like, if we have this much trouble getting alignment on anything, like what does this mean for the world? And it's just, yeah, it's like a reflection of COVID and climate change and lots of stuff. So it's always good. You know what they say? It's always good to start an interview on a low note. So let's <laughs> let's start there. Hello and welcome to Talking Too Line with Chris Savage. I am your host, Chris Savage. Very excited for you to be here with us today. I'm joined as always by the podcast producer extraordinaire, Sylvie LeBeau. Sylvie, happy 2022. <laughs> Happy 2022. It's a new year. I'm so excited to see you. I know. It's been a while. I know it has. We took a little break there. It was nice to- Took a little break. To recover. Um, yes. Mm -hmm. Had a little New Year's action. Um, yeah. How was your New Year's? Um, it, you know, it, I hung out with lots of family, which is great. Lovely. We tried to pretend that New Year's was not happening at midnight, uh, but was happening oh. at like 7 p.m. So- <laughs> <laughs> we went to YouTube and looked for like a live feed of fireworks going off and we had it on for like 40 minutes. It was like on Paris oh time. Oh my God. And then of course, like 40 <laughs> minutes in, my niece, who was in her 20s, was like, uh, I think they canceled the fireworks in Paris this year. I'm like, yeah, we're literally watching a video from like 10 <laughs> years ago. Uh, no one Come knew. Come on, niece. Yeah. Come on, Come on. niece. But it was fun. Um, and then unfortunately, <laughs> everyone got sick, uh, myself included. <laughs> with some kind of non-COVID COVID thing. And uh, that's been, um, it's been horrible. And so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're living, you're living my COVID life now. Yes. It's not fun. It's not fun. It's not fun, but you're still laughing. Uh, you know what? You still got yes. laughs. I think things have been turning around the last couple of days. So that's good. I have a, more of appreciation for being healthy. Um, yeah. Which I, I'm not going to say I lost, but you really just, you don't realize how crappy it is to be sick until you're sick. And then you think, all oh, yeah. I want on this earth is not to be sick. That's all That's all I want. <laughs> um, how is 2022 going for you so far? It's it's going well. It's cold. Mm. It's cold here in New York. But uh, you know what I'm doing? I'm running outside. I'm running outside because I am training for the Brooklyn Half. Congratulations. Marathon. That's very exciting. Thank you. It's exciting. Um my mileage is low at the moment. What are you doing? Like two miles a day, twenty miles a week? What's what? What kind of? What's yeah, the program between look like? like two and three. So like January is about just like getting back into the consistency of running and running outside. Mm. So we're not like fully into the training regimen, mm. but uh, once it starts, I think it's like four times a week, and then like your long runs are on the weekend, and your distances increase weekly. And I tried to do this in 2020, but the Brooklyn half got canceled. The farthest I got was seven miles. Mm -hmm. So here we That's go. That's great. Do you have um, bathroom stops planned for your long runs? That's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. But it is something I will think. Yeah, I think it's something to think about. I think it's something. Has anyone, I've, I've run a half in my day. And, you know, when you're running the race and they've got all the... Uh, the porta potty's there, you know, it's fine. You just, it's yeah. fine. Yeah. And everyone does dumb stuff when they run a race. You know, you eat the gel that you shouldn't eat. Yeah. Whatever. Like, eat I've the definitely gel. been eat there. Eat the goo. But uh, I always found the long training runs on the weekend 
especially in the winter. <laughs> and you're like, oh, wait, I'm going to go to this bathroom. And then it's closed. It's always fun. Oh, yeah. It's always a delight. <laughs> you know, I'm sure down the road, there is going to be an embarrassing story for me. Yeah. Um, so listeners... Stay tuned. Stay tuned. We'll keep, we'll keep uh, checking in on your bathroom trips on your long runs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Speaking of our listeners, Savage, I have a fun update to share with you. Ready? Okay, I'm ready. We now officially have over 500 email subscriptions. <laughs> we now. Oh, my God. I was so excited that I butchered the word. We now officially have over 500 email subscribers to Talking Too Loud. Oh, that's awesome. That's great. That's great yeah, it's news. A, it's a good number. Yes. It's a nice yes. number. The suspense there. I didn't really. I didn't know what we were. What I was going to hear. <laughs> are we talking about emails? Or we... <laughs> I think it's like in podcast world and podcast land. It's it's kind of hard to to know your audience super well. It's kind of hard to get stats on yeah. where everybody's listening. But the fact that we we know for sure that five hundred plus people are subscribing to our podcast that's like that's a big deal yeah no 500 of you have decided to give us your emails and get all the content the bonus content <laughs> the video versions of things those videos are sweet so you know if you want more of that and you haven't subscribed subscribe yeah do it get in there and we want to hear from you as always just reply to that thread it'll either go into the void it'll go to one of us or somebody else so we'd love to hear <laughs> <laughs> the void the void the void um, um oh we um jinxed Yes, good. Well, on that, that's always a sign that it's time to get into the interview. So It is, and it's a special one today. Yes, very special interview. Brennan Schwartz, my co-founder and CTO at Wistia. Um, very excited to have him come on. We're trying something a little different, getting a little deeper into what we're doing here at Wistia. I've never met him. This is the first so time. I'm excited and nervous. Yeah. This is it. Get excited. Whew. The beads of sweat are just... They really are, actually. Well, they were. I mean, we, but like the, right before we recorded, you're like, I think, you're like, oh my god, I'm actually nervous right now. Like, what am I going to do? I have Lulu vibes. <laughs> I almost had Lulu vibes because he's like this mythical figure to yeah. me, the CTO. Yeah, I've only heard about. And don't forget, I mean, we know Lulu because she and Brendan were roommates right. for a summer, so it all kind of connects. That is true. Yeah. It's all connected. Yeah. All, right. all right. Well, we get in there on this one, so let's do it. Let's jump in. Well, Brendan, you and I don't talk often, so. <laughs> we definitely don't, no. Great to see you. <laughs> but it's been a while since uh, since talking to you last started, a year and a half, and this is your first time coming on the show, so I'm very excited deal. to have you on here today. It's a big deal. That's true. I'm oddly nervous now that I started not <laughs> nervous, and then now that this is officially started. <laughs> I was the nervous one. <laughs> yeah, you, you said you were nervous. Gave you all, and now... I gave you all my nerves. <laughs> yeah, no, the best part is that we talk like over an hour a day, and then it's like, oh, here we are <laughs> to recording some of those conversations. Um, but seriously, we have a very special episode today. We're going to try to bring you all a little bit into like the types of stuff that Brent and I talk about. But I think we'd be remiss if we didn't start the way we normally start, which is, Brendan, I got to know, what's got you talking too loud? I've got two things on my mind here. You can pick, or we can talk about both of them. Oh, let's go both. Let's go both. Hit us with both. Yeah. Basement renovation. Ooh. Because it's, as of this morning, it's like 99.9% .9 complete, and it's been going on a very long time. Uh, 
And everyone's favorite topic, cryptocurrencies. <laughs> well, we've got like, two gems Let's here. not talk about that one. <laughs> we've got two gems here. So I think, two gems. like, can you, I mean, obviously, I know the saga and the excitement of the basement renovation, but can you give some context to the listener? Like, you know, you live in Cambridge, Massachusetts, you live in an old house, like, you know, you decide you want to do this renovation, you've been working on it, just like all that. What What's happened here? Yes, I, so uh, <laughs> my wife and I purchased this beautiful old home, uh, I think three years ago. We moved in right after my son was born and uh, it's from 1839. So it's a, his, it's a historic landmark in mm. Cambridge, wow. turns out. Although the person, the reason it's his historic landmark is because this person who owned it did not get along with the neighbors and tried to spite, uh, turn their house into a landmark as well because it's a twin. These two houses are identical, so that they couldn't do renovations on their house. Oh my god! <laughs> Crazy story. Is that <laughs> never heard true? of that? <laughs> yes, <That's> insane. <laughs> so they couldn't change the facade. They couldn't yes. change the facade at all. Oh, he ha-ha. failed to do it. He only got this one landmarked. Um, Oops. <laughs> so in any case, we moved in. The house is great. Um, and then we had the basement was half finished and, you know, we have a son and, and my daughter was just born. So we knew like we were going to be expanding the house is, you know, it's like reasonably sized, but it's in a city. So there's not a lot of space. And uh, I really like design and I like architecture. And I was very excited. I've never done a renovation and I got really, really into it. It's been a two year process. I found an architect who was also really I needed somebody who was like going to be into making something a bit different and something that's not the most practical. I guess it is it is a practical space. It is a like a <laughs> Can you sit down there? Thing. You can sit. It has like a TV <laughs> and like you know there's a bathroom down there and there's like it's like a playroom for kids and stuff where you watch movies and hang out. But the design is a bit uh extravagant. Are we talking gold toilets, Brennan? What are we talking down there? <laughs> Not extravagant that. It's Marble. Like, you haven't seen the finished one, but you've obviously seen the design I've seen it along close, the way. How yeah. would you describe it? I would describe it as kind of like like a wood panel geometric kind of very modern um like respite. Like it's like it's like almost it's interesting because like Brennan's house is very old and you walk down the stairs. And then it's like, whoa, like I've never really seen a room with like these types of interesting geometric like shapes of wood all over the place and like a built-in couch and like, you know, the built-in subwoofer and the hidden speakers and like all this like kind of sweet stuff. Uh, but it's not like, I mean, how many square feet is that room? Like, what is that? Like, it's, it's like 20 feet by 12 feet or something. It's not, yeah, so no, it's, it's not very big. It's not very big, but the project has been like, uh, cause it was very particular. It was very Brendan. It was like, <laughs> you know. Came up with this design. They're good. all the woodworkers are going to do this thing. They're going to cut it exactly just so. Yada yada. It was modeled so it's in like, VR. Yes, many, it was modeled in VR. Many iterations in VR. That was critical. Yeah, I mean, this is very cool. You could go in there before anything was done and put that's an amazing. Head, yeah, put an Oculus headset on and walk around and see what it would look like. It was actually oh. very. It like sounds maybe gratuitous. It was extremely useful. I mean, if you're an architect, I think it's your profession to imagine how a space feels, and you're good at that. But for a layperson, it was so helpful to see a design like you can see it in cad and spin it around but to actually be in it and get a sense of the scale it, is it that was, common for like design people like is that no it's not you're no, shaking your i think it will no. be very yeah. soon um 
but it was not common. Yeah, this architect, I mean, it's like a smaller kind of architect shop, not a major one, but he had never done anything like that. But you're the one who drove that. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're it's, cutting edge. Yeah, it is somewhat cutting edge. I think it'll become commonplace. There were some startups that are like translating CAD into VR for people, but I ended up making, yeah, using Unity, the Unity game engine. And my brother helped me do this because he's, uh, designs games for kids but they use unity a lot to it's like a vr game is how i had to had to do it but yes your description is is good it was very the genesis of it was like kind of a 70s inspired but very modern so it's kind of that like conversation pit feel where you like step down into this built-in couch and it's this uh orange wide whale corduroy puffy thing (laughs) and all wood paneling but it's all geometric and it reminds me, like, growing up, I'd go to my grandma's house, and it was all wood paneling. My, before my parents, they ripped out all their wood paneling, but they had wood pa- Like, so it has, like, that, like, a, a I don't know, comfortable nostalgia kind of feel to it, but it's um, updated. Also, isn't the, the color of the couch, isn't that similar to the couch we had on John Street? <laughs> yes, it is. Which, I, <laughs> that couch is so comfortable. I spent many a night on that couch. <laughs> this is, like, uh at a apartment that we lived in senior year of college. And it's just funny because it's like, exactly as you said, it's very modern and very cool. But like, it, it, there's a lot of nostalgia in that orange couch. When I first saw the cushions, that's what I thought of. Um, well, also, I look, I, I know it's funny and we say we shouldn't get into the cryptocurrency thing, but actually this is coming up a lot. Like we've talked about NFTs on the show. Um, of course, yeah. And, of Only course your you favorite subject. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we talked about Wolf Game a little bit. Uh, Brennan's a wolf game expert. If you want more details on that, I mean, I, I was actually doing another podcast today at the very end, this conversation went to this cause there's like clearly something happening, but it's confusing. You know, it's like everyone has heard the word NFT, but I, I think most people still don't understand what it is. So yeah, why don't we jump into the cryptocurrency stuff as well? Like, tell me, tell me what you've been thinking about there. And I, I know you've been exploring a lot of different ideas. Well, Years ago, I purchased, you know, like a bunch of other people just to play around with it. But the NFT side of it, I had ignored completely. And then when I was on parental leave, Chris, you kept sending me, uh, you know, <laughs> texts. And you're like, go get this ENS airdrop. Go look at this like thing. And so I had some more time. I didn't have a ton of time because I'm taking care of, you know, a newborn. But it's easy to kind of pop in, you know, in five and ten minute increments. And uh for me, learning about something, I feel like I have to play with it or be like close to it to really understand it. And so jumping in all these discord, like, I'm like, who are these people who are doing this? What are they doing? Like, what did they do this full time? Like, what's going on here? Can you walk through, Brendan, can, can you walk through the discord thing for those who don't know? Because I feel like even that is interesting by itself, like how this, how this, like how a project works. Yeah, for any project or like NFT or whatever crypto project, People have seemed to chosen Discord, which is a chat server, you know, like modern chat server like Slack or, you know, like IRC used to be to all. It's like the hangout space to discuss the project and there's different channels for different aspects of stuff. So that's like the community. I'm doing this podcast. I'm like waving my hands. That's the community (laughs) aspect of it or where people like gather around. In actuality, it seems like where people, you know, wildly speculate about what's going to happen in these things to try to like pump up the price or decrease it to you know make money and you you were telling me about wolf game because like wolf game is something like we talked about briefly on the podcast before so glad that this I threw was a discussed. lot of shade yeah. at wolf game yeah and 
you know, it's like it's a game that's going to exist. I mean, I don't even know if I would say it exists now or if it's going to exist because people are like buying the elements of the game, right? Yeah, it existed briefly and had some bugs in its contract. So it was paused. And then there was a brief tiny game. And then there is speculation that an interim game will launch next week before the actual game launches i love this eye rolling that's happening right now that's that (laughs) eye rolling is completely justified by the way thank (laughs) you (laughs) in my opinion but it's just interesting because like you know this is one example of thousands of projects that people a lot of people like got excited about and it's like well what is the value of the elements of the game are they going to be valuable or not and like how are you going to use these these different elements of the game? Are some better or not? And then there's folks who are trying to come in and figure out what's going on. And you were telling me that ex- example of this guy who came in with like, how many millions of dollars did someone just come in and like spend on this? That you, and they were like in the voice chat or something? Yeah, that is what is is like shocking to me. I kind of knew, but somebody, you know, you're in there seeing what people are talking about. And like people are coming in and buying one of these sheeps or like a wolf every now and again. Just to be clear, like a sheep costs four grand right now or something like that in US dollars. And a wolf costs like 30 grand or something like that. Somebody purchased one for, what is, let me do the math on this, I think. 70 ETH, what is that? Like about like quarter of a million bucks. Game doesn't exist. So uh, yeah, someone came in and like all of a sudden, like all these things are getting purchased. And I don't know, I mean, I think the person has like spent like definitely over a million dollars on this. Just like speculating and buying assets, hoping that this game actually comes to fruition and that there's value in it. Which is yeah. just shocking to me. No, it, it is shocking. But Savage, I feel like you're you're convinced like NFTs, they're, they're going to be around forever and ever. They're lucrative. They have a no. future. Yeah, that's no, I'm not convinced that NFTs as they exist today are going to be around forever or something like I'm looking at this very similarly to like the dot com boom. Um, and also like the beginning of like the web 2.0 thing, but like dot-com boom happened. Most things failed, but like the fundamental technology and a lot of the innovation that happened during that failure ended up powering like the future of the web. And so then that, you know, that tech existed and, you know, Google started back then and all these like amazing companies started out of the dot-com boom. And then you go along and it's like a bust for a while. And then web two comes at it's like easier interfaces and more services that people could build on top of. I mean, that's when Wistia started, right? Is like, we were able to exist partially because we didn't have to pay for servers that got racked in like a room. Like our first bills for Wistia in the early days were like measured in dollars per month. But like just a couple of years before, it would have been hundreds of dollars a month or thousands of dollars a month. And we couldn't have afforded to do that. And I think what's happening now is like, do I think this concept of like an asset that represents the rights that you, someone has to something, do I think that will continue to exist? Yes. Do I think that all of these NFT projects are going to continue to exist? No. Um, some of them will end up being valuable. Um, and the ones that are like likely to be valuable, I think are the ones that are like historically relevant or um, they're already proven to have more utility. But if you we were to fast forward five or 10 years, I think there will be NFTs of some form that people are using. I think there will be blockchains involved with like the other tech that we're using. I mean, how, what do you think about this? Yeah, one? I think those, I think those like people call them like the blue chip ones, right? I think those will be around and have cultural relevance because they're what's being like talked about in 
like if you're around now, they're like a big deal and it's like an interesting time. I think the rest of the stuff is all, it's going to be like the ICO boom and bust or like the web, like so much of that was just pure speculation. And it's like, if you go and look at some of these NFT, like they're all, it's like a cash grab. Like it looks like the other things, but there's no use of it or no utility. And the people who are in there talking every day about this stuff, I think are really just there to try to like make money. And here's my very controversial take about this, which is I am always curious, like, you know, like climate change, something happens over this long period of time and it's like hard for humanity. Now we're back to the beginning of this podcast. Hard to like see it (laughs) happening. Uh, You know, I'm always like, what is our generation's like smoking going to be? You know, like smoking, we're like, Mm -hmm. everyone's doing so common. It was like good for your health and this and that. And then later it was like, oh, that was very bad. Um, I mean, we probably had podcasts. podcast but i do wonder about like crypto speculation and that's where like the super like the bearish people are on it which is it's just like a giant ponzi scheme and like yeah there's a lot of money to be made in the short term but really it could lead to financial ruin for anybody who's like left holding the bag on i don't know that's what's like so exciting about that's why it has me talking too loud because it's so cool to have like so many smart people on both sides talking adamantly about it and to see it like unfolding before us. And I think like the jury's still out, like what Chris is saying, I think that very much could like prove, tr- probably the answer is like somewhere in the middle, like most stuff, right? There's a bunch of junk, people are gonna lose a ton of money, but there are some fundamental interesting things that'll come out of it. What do you think are the other things that we're gonna look back on that are gonna be like smoking that today we accept? Well, I feel like um, vaping already, that, that cycle like kind of already happened, right? That was like pretty fast, the jewel, jewel pod. Yeah, that yeah. cycle was quick. It was a quick one. We got, yeah, humanity was, that's a good one for humanity, I think. We were like fast on that one. <laughs> like, yeah. Wait a second. We're like, it's, it's good, like it's smoking. good, it's good. It's not, it's not good. It's the same. <laughs> uh, oh, social media, I guess, is the other, I think, one that people, you know, like, what is that going to have? Or like kids growing up, does that like, you know, shape your brain in some wacky way? Yeah. I'm not sure. Where, what, what's the latest on that? Is it horrible? Uh, I think that they say I think that they say it's not good. <laughs> but it's also really easy to like shit on, obviously. Like it's easy to scapegoat it. I feel like there's like on the one side, there's so many problems with like hyperpolarization that's occurring and like um, you know, back to don't look up, like it's like you can't tell what the truth is. And like that is horrible. On the other side, like I think if you're in a really productive, interesting like niche on there, like you can learn faster than you ever could before. And you can connect with people that you never could otherwise. And like, I do think it puts a lot of power in the hands of folks who had no way of like getting their voice out there before. So I think that it's like, like many things, both good and bad. And the question is like, how do we, how do we get to a place where there's more of the good than the bad? Because it feels like recently there's just like more of the bad. Yeah. Um, all right. We could go down darker topics, but I think we should pivot a little <laughs> bit. Brennan, you mentioned you're on parental leave. You're on parental leave for four months. How was that? What was that like? Uh, it was phenomenal. And so for some more like Wistia context, uh, when did we make that policy change? Two years ago, maybe? Yeah, I that think so. we, but Prior to that, it was 12 or 16 weeks if you're the primary caregiver. Um, and if yeah. you were the secondary caregiver, a month or four, four weeks or yeah. something. So. When my son was born, yeah, I took a month. I think you took a month for both of your kids, yeah. right? Yeah. And um, so, yeah, we've had a bunch of people use the new policy, but this was like 
the first for either of us. And it was the longest I've been away from the business since we started 15 years ago. Were you nervous when you went out? How, yeah, how, we obviously, is this a very real podcast? How emotional yeah. do we So we real. Full we can emotions. get there. Okay. Um, <laughs> I was nervous about it for a number of reasons. And I was also, if I'm being very honest, was looking forward to a break because last year was tough. And I felt like we, when, yeah, when my daughter was born, by that time, like things were like starting to stabilize a little bit. Um, I've given Chris like a huge thank you. I'll give you another public huge, like I would not have started this business alone. I would not keep doing it alone if Chris left or since it's so dark, if he died or something, you know, (laughs) he's immortal, but, um, (laughs) and it's hard. Like there's a lot of ups and downs. And so I, part of my like nervousness or like, not like a guilt feeling, right. Is like leaving the other person to do that and like chris mentioned like we talk all the time like about all aspects of the business um and it's a partnership and i know you went like way out of your way like that's like hard to like cold turkey that and like not we really didn't talk about wistia that i mean a little bit but over those four months i know that was hard but that was that was like very nice from my perspective to be able to just like be with my family and focus on that savage what was it what was it like for you um I mean, Your partner you know, I think, in crime. Yeah, I think it was like both. I was like really happy for Brendan and like knew that he really needed the time and really wanted him to have the time. And, you know, when we made the policy, we didn't decide that like we didn't do it thinking that there would be COVID or massive disruption or chaos like and, you know, craziness at work and all this. We, we did it in a time of peace and harmony. So <laughs> <laughs> it's like, um, but I think it was like actually. You know, I was first of all, I was really happy and proud that Brendan took the four months because I think it could have been easy, like, not to. We want to set the best example we can. And so, like, that made me really happy. Um, and I think that it was, you know, I, everyone knew that, like, Brendan, while he was out, was also like a text away. And so I think that made it, like, a little bit easier. But I've told Brendan this. And, like, when he came back, I was like, very large sigh of relief. There's a lot of stuff that comes up when you're running a company. That sometimes like you just need to like vent to someone about or you need to talk it through and you don't even need to do anything about it necessarily. But like um, there's just a lot. There's always a lot of crazy stuff. Like anytime there's a large group of people, you run into funny things. And so Wistia had a lot of really good stuff to happen, a lot of hard stuff. And um, I think I just realized like I was missing you know, I was missing that relationship. I was missing that camaraderie. I was missing that ability to share uh, with someone and really just have zero filter and give no Fs and just know you can say absolutely anything and it's like all good. Um, which is funny because I think people have asked us a lot over the years, like, how do we do this as like a partnership? Like, how do we still continue to work well together? And I do think there's like a lot of power in any partnership, whether it's like a business one or it's a life partner or friend or what have you, which is just like getting to the place where you literally can say anything and knowing that like it's still going to be all good. And I think it's actually like a superpower when you get there because like you actually confront the demons, like you confront all the hard stuff. Um, So it was just really nice to get Brennan back and to be able to do that stuff and also get permission again. Like there's certain, I feel like there's a lot of creative risks that come up that like you don't get a consensus of people on board to do them. You get a very small number of people that you trust on board to do that. And so Brett and I always do that for each other. So that's also been really nice is like, I feel like our speed has accelerated again on like these more creative, interesting things. 
Agreed. Yeah, that makes sense. And it also just makes me think about the fact that like the two of you are best friends and you've been doing this work together for so long. It seems like it's mostly a good thing. Like you were describing it as a superpower, but I bet like some friends couldn't do it. So what's your secret? Like how have you guys complimented each other over the years? Like what have you learned about being friends and being business partners? Like it's kind of, it's kind of crazy when I think about it. Yeah, a lot. We know a fair number of people who started off as good friends and like who <laughs> aren't because of business. I, I think that's a pretty common story and plenty of people who it does work out for. Um, I don't know. One like maybe obvious, it, it seems obvious, but it's also you get advice the other way is I feel like we've always put friendship first and it's easy to say, oh, let's put the business first. And that's how we'll be like hyper rational about everything. But like we're human beings, right? And like what Chris is saying, like to be able to say whatever and do, you need a very high level of trust. And it, it's just so easy for like a friendship or a relationship to erode, I think, if you don't, aren't constantly talking about that and putting that like at the center. And you need to structure everything else around it so that you don't, you don't want to do things like only for your relationship that are like bad for the business. But I think in a partnership, it's a pretty symbiotic relationship. Like if we're operating well together, like that will trickle, like people see that in the business and we're making better decisions um, about that. And like, and I think that's like being honest with each other about that. But that has, when times are tough, like working on the relationship first and not like burying your head, right? And like just focusing on the business has been important. Because like we just talked about, it's a lot of ups and downs. It's not always ups. Yeah. And I think the the other piece of it is just to add on to what Brennan's saying is like having that trust to work through those hard problems also means that like you are working with your friend. And so you get to like, you get permission to talk about things you wouldn't get permission to talk about otherwise. You get to, you get permission to do things at work that you wouldn't do otherwise. Um, and I do think that that also like from a modeling perspective, like people see that in the culture. And there's a lot of people at Wiste who end up building really strong friendships. And I know one of the concerns that happens when that happens is like, oh, if these people have really strong friendships, can I not enter this relationship? Like, how do I deal with that? Is that like complicated? And we've tried to always set an example where like, well, we also are like having a lot of fun at work and it's clear that we're friends, that it's also really clear that we decide like who's owning what and who to go to and like trying to make that clear so that you actually can have both those things. There's no way we could have been doing Wistia for 15 years if the friendship wasn't there. Like, I, I think if it wasn't fun as a part of this, like, there's just no way. And on the other side, like, we've been working on this for 15 years. That's wild. But also, we have so much exciting stuff we want to do. And it's that, it's that same confidence, that same baseline that I look at. It's like, all right, if you get the, you get the magic and you keep it together, and you keep doing it, then you can work on hard problems for a long time. And that's often just like, that's what you need to, to solve hard problems. Um, we're getting I deep wanna, here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start a company with my best friend. You there inspired you me. But what will we make? That's for you another episode. figure that episode. out later. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like that's obvious what you're making, Sylvie. You're making NFTs. <laughs> <laughs> Never. Um, so, so at the end of last year on Talking Too Loud, we talked about like, you know, the holiday gift guide, but also like what we learned and what went well in Talking Too Loud, how we've grown. Um, and Brendan, you and I were just talking about this yesterday, and I don't know if we can really get into this like, on the show, but I thought we'd try. 
which is um, just asking, like, if you look back on the last five years of Wistia, what do you think that we've done that's gone really well and helped us grow? Um, and what do you think has it? Hmm. Let's start with, what should we start with? What's gone well? Sure. <laughs> I like that. Five years? Bad news, good news. <laughs> What's gone badly? Well, let's go. Let's go with what didn't go well. Um, I think there was some hard relearn for me. Hard relearning of lessons and things that uh, we kind of maybe knew or took for granted along the way. Like so, we were talking about our relationship, right, as friends and you know business partners owning the business. If that is not going well, like if we have a dysfunctional relationship or like aren't really like super in sync, I think there's basically zero chance that the company is going to be high performing and work well because how are you going to get decisions made or like that type of behavior is like the wrong thing to model inside an organization. And like it keeps kind of like if you're a bigger company, it keeps like going down, right? So then the next layer is our senior management team or leadership and and management below there. And in years past, when we made changes to that team, we invested like really heavily in what might be considered, you know, like we did not do trust. We've never done trust falls, but you know, like the next <laughs> trust fall adjacent, right? Like investing in team building, which felt so cheesy to me, especially when we're a smaller company, like doing stuff, yeah. it seems like the most corporate ridiculous thing to do. But I don't know. Now I get old. I'm old and I'm like, actually, those things work. That's why people do them. <laughs> like you need a team to, to trust each other and work well together. And I think we made a lot of changes to that. And, and we were just so focused on what the business needed to accomplish. We didn't actually spend the time um, to really get that working. And we'd say, oh, it's OK that like there's a little bit of this not working or that's not quite right. We can fix it. We'll, we'll just be fine and we can keep going. And like that catches up with you. And I feel like we kind of, you know, in retrospect, right, we could see that coming. We kind of um, ignored it until it, you know, got worse. And then that led to like bigger changes. And one of the things that was especially hard um, this year, I feel like that's the lesson of it's about the team and the team has to work really well. And then you'll have a high performing business, which is so is like the most cliche and obvious advice. Right. But that's why these things are hard. But it's easy to it's easy to not it's follow easy that to, advice. Yeah, exactly. It's really easy because it's like you're sitting there and you're like, oh, this person knows this stuff. Like, they're not perfect. Like, I don't know how much I would hang out with them, but like, it's fine. Like, you know, we'll make it work. And then you're like, fissures form and weird cracks happen, and you realize like, oh, this is if this is happening here, what's happening elsewhere? And I agree with you in terms of the team being so important and getting the team right. And then it's really easy to forget. Like that, you know, when you're like a, a five person company, the sixth person comes and joins, they're trying to figure out how the five people work. And the way they figure out is to just sit there and they just watch and they talk and they listen. And then you get bigger and you like codify values and you write stuff down and people like read the stuff and they come in and then they look at how everyone spends their time and they try to figure out like what's normal and what's not. And I think like the wake up call for me during last year was like when I realized so many people were new and they didn't know how we work. And they were also were remote now and they're coming in trying to guess. And then you have a problem and it gets multiplied 
in the wrong direction, it becomes a real problem. The opposite's also true. Like when things go really well, you suddenly see, oh my gosh, these teams are so high functioning. They're getting so much stuff done. How is this happening? And like, it's that advice we got from Farah Kennedy, who is an advisor at Wistia, and she was the COO of MailChimp for a long time. And she gave us this advice at one point. We were talking about um, giving recognition to people on the team. And we're like, we're trying to figure out like how to build the right system and you know what tool we should use. And, you know, we're going through this like complicated thing. And she's like, why don't you just email the person who you want to give the recognition to (laughs) and like CC their boss and say that they're doing a good job. And I'm like, that's so easy. Is that the answer? She's like, (laughs) she's like, yeah, that's the answer. Because what will happen is that person will see that and it'll work. And then that manager will do the same thing. And it just propagates through the organization. And, And it's like, it's, I think a lot of companies now when I, from what we've learned at Wistia, when I look at other businesses, and you see them doing funny things, I look at that and I'm like, what's happening? Like, like, what behavior did they unknowingly change or unknowingly accidentally model that like spins things in the wrong direction instead of spinning them in the right direction? I'm doing my De Niro nod. I'm like, yeah, pretty good, pretty good, yeah. <laughs> and also it makes me wonder like if you're having like a really product heavy year and you're just like, we need to like kind of crank out work, does the sort of investment in people Like, that's sort of what I was hearing you say, Brendan, like that a little bit can fall by the wayside or it becomes like a second priority. But then Savage, what you were saying also just about the fact that you had so many new people this year, like who were remote, myself included, and like how that can also just like totally impact culture. Yeah, I think both of those things are true. And I think, yeah, it's also, um, you know, we, we were so fortunate like in terms of companies in 2020, when COVID hit, Wisty was extremely lucky, right? Like people needed to use more video. We're a software business. We already had remote habits. So we went online and we did the same thing um, that we were doing before. And we kept our plans that we said at the beginning of 2020. And we just like kind of tried to take care of the team be like, all right, everyone take time for yourself and like recover and, you know, deal with the stress of what's happening. And then 2021 was more like, hey, guess what? Our market actually changed a lot. There's huge opportunity for us, like massive, but we got to change a bunch of the stuff that we're doing. And so then trying to change and hiring a lot of people all at once and losing some of the um, cultural intelligence that you build up made that like Mm. harder for us to figure out what some of the issues were. And I would say now we're like, things are back to this like thing that I know this feeling. This is the high functioning people who trust each other feeling. And a lot of those hard things that we changed in 2021 are like coming to fruition in 2022. And it's very exciting. Um, but yeah, we've been talking about stuff we've learned. Um, what do you think is like one of the most exciting, positive things that has helped us grow in the last five years that that we can share with the world? Five Five years is a long time. I mean, my mind goes to two years. Uh, two years. I don't know. I've been very focused on what hasn't worked lately. <laughs> <laughs> what has worked? Um, I think it's it is starting. I think like what you described, it, it will play out in the next year or two. Um, but you know, the business is bigger than it was. You know, ten or fifteen years ago, and so it's not a monolith. Like there's like areas that are working well and areas like where we're struggling. And um, we have talked a lot in the recent years as we've grown of this like concept of empowered teams, right? Of teams who are close to the 
customer and all the information they need to make decisions, being empowered to run really quickly and do that without needing, you know, all this outside help. And you can go faster and farther like that. And we've definitely struggled to, I feel like, fully implement this across the company, but there are plenty of places. It's almost, this is what is the humbling experience of this, right? Places where we were doing less active management that have actually done very well over the last Mm -hmm. few years because you have really great, (laughs) smart people who are focused on a problem for a long period of time. And guess what? They just like kept cranking and doing amazing things. And I think about that a lot in terms of, like a lot of it is consistency, like get, like getting the right swim lanes for people and like letting it run for an extended period of time such that that group can learn. Um, so these like longer standing um, teams, and I don't know if you've already, I don't know how deep you go into Wistia stuff on this podcast in, in general, but. I mean, this is a special episode, so we're, we don't usually go this deep, but today we're going there. <laughs> so I'm now going back into things that haven't worked well, but we have like an expanded vision uh, but we haven't, we, we are now starting to invest in, in hiring a lot more people such that we can exist in a world where you have a group of people that are focused on the same problem for, you know, a number of years in a row versus in the mode with an expanded vision and not that many people, you kind of have people shifting between things all the time. And it's really hard to build up, um, that momentum. But a thing that has gone well is there are places where that has, uh, happened. Like one example on our engineering team, um, if you rewind the clock a number of years ago, our infrastructure team, we didn't even have an infrastructure team. We just had like a bunch of, you know, scripts holding together this like kind of clunky thing or a chef serve. Nobody cares what this stuff is. In any case, <laughs> it was a mess. Uh, and a lot of people on the team complain about it constantly. And we said, okay, this is an important investment to make. Um, and so a number of, you know, really talented people focused on that problem for a number of years. And now, like, I'm super proud of where our infrastructure is. Like it has achieved the vision um, and there's still a lot more to do there. And as like a little tidbit, one of the folks who's on that team for a long time and who built a lot of this left Wistia maybe a year ago and went to how anonymous is this? That's fine. And of course, you can guess where this story is going. Like he gets there and he's like, oh, this infrastructure must be great. And it's like, it's a huge mess. It's a, he's like, oh, this thing that I had like built at like Wistia is like, you know, much, you know, I don't know if he said that exactly, but, um, you know, that investment. Um, had paid off. So we need to do more like that. But that has worked well for us. And in terms of like keeping investing in things and like also exciting stuff coming up, like there's a lot of stuff that we have that's coming out in 2022. What are you most excited about that you can share? <laughs> I like how you ended that. That I can that share. That you can share. <laughs> that I may share. Well, now. what th- I mean, as mm. I say that, I'm like, well, what should we share? I mean, what should you know, we share? I don't know. What should we share? You know all the things too. We haven't decided yet. I mean, that's the problem with the question. More broadly, are you excited? Just go so broad. Just go so broad. You're excited to. I am. Ex- I am excited that. <laughs> We are going to be expanding the team in a big way and getting really, like you said this earlier, Sylvia, like really focused on product. And I feel like we have all the, like the the people and like systems in place to be able to move really quickly. And I am personally excited that this year coming back, being able to spend a lot more of my time on product um, and the building and making of it uh, directly with those teams and folks doing that. That is the stuff that I get very excited about. And there's a lot of cool stuff that's being worked on. 
that I'm not sure if we can talk about yet. I don't know. <laughs> Brennan, this is really like a real conversation because I think we'd be talking like, which of these things should we actually disclose now? Like, well, maybe none of them, maybe some of them. And we've decided live on the podcast, we're not actually going to disclose them. it. I will say like to add on to what Brennan said, hiring a lot of people, like about 90, I think this coming year, which is a ton to build sustainable teams so that we can really crank on a lot of these like really exciting problems. So it's like, we won't tell you what those problems are or what the things are being built, but you'll see them soon. <laughs> we could drop some some like cryptic, I guess, messages too of, you know, with an expanded vision and what we're helping customers <laughs> do. There will be other parts of the, the video journey where Wistia mm. will actually have products that will help you. Our listeners are going to be trying to crack yeah. this code for the next two weeks. So I, I think the big question that everyone is going to be asking is like, how do NFTs interface? Well, we can't get into that. Um, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, Brendan, thanks for coming on the podcast. And thanks for being willing to share a conversation that normally wouldn't be shared. Um, this is very fun. And uh, we'll do it more as we, as we bring people deeper into what we're doing with you. Thanks for having me. This has been absolutely fantastic. Well, we did it. We got pretty deep there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> We're going to have to bleep some things. We have to bleep some stuff. But, you know, we took a risk. You know, even when I was telling Brendan, like, we're going to record this thing. Um, <laughs> and, uh, oh, you hear that? You hear my children? That's. That's the sound of children during winter COVID. Um, <laughs> that was amazing. I love it. Let's yeah. keep going. Yeah. Um, it is kind of a funny thing. Like he and I spend so much time talking on the phone, on Zoom, in the metaverse, you know, all different on the virtual golf course, like all different places <laughs> yeah. um, that like, how would we filter this or what would we do? And it was really fun to like actually bring into the show and yeah we'll bleep a few things but i think uh hopefully people get a taste for what things are really like yeah it was really fun also to just see your dynamic and like meeting him for the first time i can see how you guys really complement each other and made me happy that's kind of like a corny thing to say but i really like seeing the two of you together i'm glad it made you happy i mean i love brennan so it's i'm glad that you can tell that and that like you know that comes across yeah and it was interesting hearing him talk about uh, parental leave and how, yeah, like how hard that year was for him and how he was low key, like looking forward to getting some distance. Um, but he seems yeah. super pumped to be back and like is a real product nerd. I got that. He's really excited to delve into the world of product. Oh, he, he is. He is. And that's one of my, and when I, it's funny when he was talking about me getting going on NFTs. Yeah. I was like, I knew if I shared the right stuff with him, he would either just like shit all over it and think it's like the dumbest thing in the world, or he would go the other direction and be like, how is this working? How is the code put together? Like, who are these people? And he's gone that direction where he's like filed bugs and stuff to folks on like how their things work. I saw um, I saw a little bit of the like, he, he appreciated my eye rolling at the wool sheep. Uh, he oh he's very aware as am I of how ridiculous this is he's just more open about it yeah like yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that people are gonna roll their eyes I appreciate it <laughs> I felt seen in that moment yeah but like the stuff that he made like that thing for when he's talking about his basement that was wild it was, I mean it's classic Brendan absolutely classic Brendan but like that's it's just like oh yeah so of course he designed this thing 
and then he put it into VR, and then you put the VR headset on, and then you walk around the empty space that has not been remodeled, and you see it as if it's remodeled. Like that's yeah, like damn, that was so smart. Yeah, it's cool, and he's been doing that stuff forever. I mean, I was thinking the other day of. Um, I was going to try to surprise him with this on the podcast and I, I kind of regret not doing it. But in college, Brennan made this website. He had been working on it for years and uh, it was called voxus.org and it was like a blogging platform. And he made a blogging platform before there was blogging as like, there was maybe it's just live journal, but there's like almost nothing else. So he made this thing and he handcrafted everything, but no one else could sign up to use it. <laughs> it was just like him and me and like two of our roommates and like three more of his That's friends. It. But he built a publishing tool and it, he designed every icon by hand. Like every single thing was like done impeccably. And we had a massive like launch party for it. It was so fun. And it was funny because when we decided to start Wistia, I knew that Brendan could do anything from that. That's like from when I think about starting with him and his like mm. technical mind, I was like, well, if he could do this Voxus thing and like he can do it for just us, like what could we make together if we were making tools for like other people? So yeah, that's just who he is. That's a nice story. We miss Brendan's perspective on that next time. Next time. Well, Vloxus, Vloxus? Vloxus. Voxus.org, Vo- yeah. Why did I put an L in there? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sylvie. Well, this is fun. It's good to be back doing this again with you in, in the new year. I have believed you. Look, this sickness has got me down. <laughs> I know, Sylvie. I know. It's got I me know, down. This is a light in my day. Just like take it from what it is. That was nice. Listeners, listen, subscribe, <laughs> like. Anything else they should do? They should take care of each other. Um, they should write to us. Share your favorite NFT project with us. <laughs> yeah. Watch Don't Look Up. Tell us what you think. Yes. Like, we want to hear it all. Yeah. Go run outside, too. Why not? Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> Bye. See you soon. Talking Too Loud is brought to you by Wistia. Hosted by Chris Savage. Produced by me, Sylvie Lubau, along with Adam Day. Executive produced by Wistia Studios. This episode was mixed by Maria Passingham of Edit Audio. Listen to Talking Too Loud wherever you listen to podcasts. And hey, rate and review us wherever you listen. And check out more content from Wistia Studios at wistia.com.